five, four. Seasonal affective disorder. Why the heck would I be talking about this in August here today to help define what it is and also help us understand how we can alleviate symptoms even when it's super sunny outside is the fabulous Dr. Raquel, our naturopathic MD, who, Raquel, you're just a wealth of information. Thank you. 10 million people have a diagnosis of, of SAD. I'm one of them. I beeline to, to California, to Southern California after I graduated from college in the East Coast. So when you factor in the number of people who have mild or moderate, plus you add in quarantine, this kind of spells a little bit of a disaster, I feel like, for, for some of us. Yeah. And it, like you said, over 10 million Americans have seasonal affective disorder. Um, and it's more common, it's more common than people think because they don't notice that this is happening like during these darker times, um, like fall and winter. And they're like, Oh, I just noticed that I'm a little bit more sleepy or I have an increased mm -hmm. appetite. I'm gaining weight. I'm super irritable, but you don't notice that this is happening during certain times of the year. So we don't even know that we could have, you know, we could have seasonal affective disorder. So it's more common than people think. Is there any reason why it's more common in women than men? So it's very interesting. So the reason that a lot of people are affected by it is because it affects our circadian rhythm. Um, so I feel like in women, we are a little bit more sensitive um, when it comes to things that affect our hormones. So what happens is whenever it gets darker, your body, your pineal gland releases melatonin. That tells your body, okay, it's time to get drowsy. It's time to go to sleep. Whenever you get a little bit of light, that wakes your body up. So with seasonal affective disorder, your body is not regulated in that way because you have nothing to tell you that it's time to get drowsy, it's time to wake up. In my mm. opinion, that kind of imbalance of our hormones in our system, it affects women a little bit more sensitively because we use melatonin for things like our egg quality and egg development and things like that. Oh, very interesting. Okay, I don't even think I realized that about melatonin. I just mm -hmm. have been taking it through quarantine because of an episode you and I did on melatonin I and on how important it is for sleep quality yeah. to make sure that, you know, it helps your immune system and of course your fertility quality and so forth. And so I've been taking melatonin and had my son on melatonin this entire time that we've been dealing with this pandemic. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Just because yeah. of my conversations with you. Yeah. So can, do people who have SAD have like bouts of remission when it is sunnier? Right. So what normally happens, and so there's a manual called the DSM-5. That's how you're able to determine, is this something that I really have? And so one of the main requirements is showing that you have the, this disorder in fall and winter months, and then you regress when summer begins again, your mood goes back to normal. That's one of the characteristics um, of qualifying this disorder. And does it coexist alongside other depression and anxiety disorders, or is it, is it kind of its own unique diagnosis? Such a good question. No, it absolutely does. Um, it kind of goes along with a major depressive episode and bipolar disorder. So that's why they use um, this manual to kind of almost qualify it because there's nothing to really tell you, like there's no test you can take to tell you if you have SAD, but there is a list um, that they go through and you have to have at least five of these. So things like feelings of depression, loss of interest in things you once enjoyed is something that I noticed a lot on my neurology rotation is that if you notice that, let's say you normally love going to the gym and then all of a sudden it's, December and you're like, I'm not going to the gym. Like, 
I hate mm-hmm. that. That's like apathy. That's something that you want to love. That's a really big qualifier. Changes in appetite, sleeping too much, fatigue. And this all kind of comes up during this change in season. That's what helps qualifies SAD versus depression or bipolar disorder. Got it. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. And then what about this vitamin D deficiency tie-in? Yeah. So they actually noticed that people who have low vitamin D also are at an increased risk of SAD. And it's almost like what came first, the chicken or the egg? Like Mm. did my low vitamin D cause SAD or did my, you know, did SAD, was that because I had low vitamin D? So Mm -hmm. it's hard to kind of know like which came first, but a lot of research has shown that people with low vitamin D are more um, likely to get seasonal affective disorder along with other chronic health conditions too. Very interesting. What age does it usually come on? And does it last throughout your lifetime or does it get better? So from the research that I found, it's more likely to happen in um, women from like ages 25 to like 45, which to me is interesting because that's during the time when a lot of women are seeking fertility treatment or kind of thinking about it. And to me, what it makes me think about is has this been occurring and we just weren't aware of it? Like, was this something that we had already? But once we got, you know, into our reproductive years and now all of our hormones are like firing, now we can really see its effects. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it definitely comes on like during those high reproductive years for sure. Well, now let's talk about the time to infertility because we certainly know and, and, and I certainly know the experience of double diagnoses you know, dealing with infertility can already be incredibly challenging and hard emotionally. It's hard mentally. It's hard hormonally. So then when you combine having to deal with infertility during winter months, when you already have a difficult time, how do you, how does one even navigate that? I know. I know. So one of the, one of the like primary treatments that they have for Um, people that are dealing with this and then tying it into a fertility diagnosis. What I recommend first is getting to the source, Um, especially when we get like around holiday, holiday months. And we're going to be around family who is, who are just like super inappropriate and asking us about like, when are you going to have kids? What are you doing? What's going on? Um, I always say to get it out of your mind and make it something um, tangible. So one of my primary therapies that I learned like on my neurology rotation and that I use now in practice is journaling. Mm. So to me, before even light therapy for women that are dealing with fertility and it's getting ready to go into the darker months or into like the holiday moments where you, you know, you really want to have a baby or you want your family to be complete, really get those thoughts like from here onto paper so that you can use that space for something else a little bit more healthy. Um, so that's one of my favorite ways to, to help just ground women that are, you know, kind of dealing with, like you said, a double diagnosis. I love that. I used to do this practice. This is before I had my, my first child, you know, through IVF, it was not an easy path. Uh, I used to do what's called morning pages. And the first thing that you did in the morning is just kind of dump all your thoughts before you even get out of bed. And I loved it. Because whether you remember your dreams or you have a little darkness when you wake up or you have anxiety or you have anything, you just sort of dump it. And then it kind of creates this like really blank slate emotionally. I really love doing it. Now I have a, you know, almost seven year old who sees a sliver of light and he goes, is it time to wake up now, mama? And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not. It was, it's 5.55. No. I know. Kids, their circadian rhythm is like on point. They're like, it is oh, on point. It's it crazy. Is. 
Yeah, yeah. I have to keep like, I have to keep it as dark as possible if I want to sleep till 620 in the morning. Yeah. 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 It's no, really absolutely. nuts. So I did, I, I do like those morning pages. Yeah. That was something I'd, I'd read a book called the artist way. And I really like that as a practice. I, I it's yeah. very difficult to do now. So I'm, I'm like waiting for him to get old enough where he can do it with me. Aww. Yeah, exactly. But I used to also be kind of a journaler before bed for that same reason to kind of dump all the thoughts from the day. So, you know, so that you're not kind of adding to the melatonin issue, right. By like having anxiety when you're trying to fall asleep. Exactly. Exactly. Now, what about like avoiding that crash? Is there something that, that I could be doing right now to prepare, you know, yes, I've used light lamps in the past. I feel like ring lights are a little bit like a, like a, a yeah. I, <laughs> they I, have that setting where I'm like, I feel like it's the same I thing. I too. Me too. I know. Just take selfies. That might like that. I know. Exactly. <laughs> so. <laughs> Dante, we're wrapping up our recording in just a minute, but we are recording. Thankfully, we're not live. Okay. <laughs> so cute. Yeah, almost, almost. This is my last one. So let's see. So talk to us a little bit about the light boxes, though, and kind of, you know, are there any risks to using light box? And what is the light box really going to do? How, you know, how soon before a crash might happen should someone start using one? So um, I was actually looking a little bit up the research before we started today. Um, and what they typically um, recommend um, is that you have about 30 minutes um, of light therapy a day and it's in a fluorescent light box. Um, and so in my opinion, if you notice, if you notice the slightest symptoms or you notice yourself kind of entering um, into a depression or, or feeling your mood kind of go down during these months, I say start before it's too late. A really, really cool thing that I noticed um, on my neurology rotation that she recommended was not only doing light therapy, she would recommend it in the morning and then go into a sauna, like maybe have this light therapy and then transition to like a gym. But before working out, use like 30, 20 to 30 minutes in the sauna. And it was something about that light and heat. Oh. She saw a dramatic, a dramatic change in her patients during the winter. Wow. It gave their, their bodies that light stimulation, but then also the feeling of heat like mm -hmm. in summer. Um, so that was an amazing therapy, but I would say, um, it should definitely be started early in the morning, but you should definitely start it before your symptoms get bad. Like as soon as you notice it, I would recommend starting. Mm. I mean, I'm already noticing that the days are getting shorter again. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I feel like now would be a good time. And of course, you know, typical things like avoiding sugar, but what about, what about omega threes? It seems like that actually is recommended as well. What is that doing to, to our brain that could help against sort of that SAD crash? Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of times, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this actually, but omega threes are giving for, given for treatment, um, in depression and anxiety. Um, mm -hmm. and it's because it, um, it's a really, really good, like healthy fat. And our brains need that fat. You probably don't notice like um, when you were in college or in grad school or anything and you were studying and you're like, oh, I just want something like sweet. I want like some sugar. It's because our brain like utilizes these fats um, to help us like develop our neurotransmitters a little bit better. Um, it kind of just helps your brain to, to better function and it helps with the production of serotonin. That's like our feel good hormone. Um, but mostly your brain really needs that fat and omega-3s is such an easy way um, to get it in um, and help you with any other mood disorders you might be dealing with. Some of our favorite omega-3 foods, salmon, yes, avocado, avocado, yummy. I love, I mean, avocado oil is my favorite thing to cook with. Oh my gosh. I love avocado oil. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. But, or putting, but seeds, putting key in your coffee. 
Oh, right. Putting ghee in the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. yeah, I love I love some of those. All right, that's great. So, um, what about you know behavioral therapies? You know, or antidepressants? Are, are they appropriate when someone's trying to conceive at the same time? Are there you know antidepressants that can help with SAD that um, you know that aren't going to get in the way of infertility treatments or be contraindicated for pregnancy? So the main um, drug that's been approved for SAD is Wellbutrin, um, and so it's the only one that has been effective for SAD episodes. Um, a lot of times I know working in a fertility clinic, they always ask you first, but whenever a psychiatrist or your doctor prescribes um, an antidepressant, um, most times your fertility doctor will allow you to continue it. Um, it's my personal opinion that you don't want to affect anyone's mood as they start a fertility process. Right. Um, so as long as this is cleared by the FDA, it's something that is helping you. You want to make sure that you are, you know, as stable and, and well as you can be before you start a slew of hormones. And oftentimes antidepressants are okay um, to, to continue within like a, a fertility cycle. So yeah, that's the main one that has been, um, uh, what's the word, right word? Um, approved. Approved, sorry, approved by the FDA. And then another really cool um, therapy that has been approved is cognitive behavioral therapy. So CBT to me is a really good way to not only bring your dosage down of Wellbutrin, but also help you find like tangible ways to deal with your SAD. So it kind of helps you replace those negative thoughts um, with more positive ones during those winter months. I, you know, these are, this is so great, right? Because 20 minutes of morning exercise is recommended when you're, you're trying to optimize your fertility anyway, eating your omega threes completely recommended when you're, you're trying to optimize your fertility as well. Right. So, so some of these, you know, daily things, um, the light therapy, you know, isn't going to hurt, um, to try it. And I think the prices of light boxes have come down dramatically since the first time I ever invested in one. You know, Amazon Prime Prime now, you probably get one on, you know, by Thursday. So, you know, these things are good anyway. And, and, you know, we always advocate for the lifestyle changes that can follow you through your life, because if they're good for you, they're going to be good for your baby when that, when you do realize that ultimate dream, and then it's good for the family. So, you know, I think on this Fertility Tip Tuesday, that is, you know, yes, if you're one of those like me that, that does struggle with seasonal affective disorder every year, even though it's August, now's the time to start putting in some of these daily habits and just know that they're self-care for you. You know, this is, this is your health and wellness and that they are self-care. So Dr. Raquel, as always, thank you so much for another compelling episode. We can, you can ask questions on the Fertility Answers app, follow her on the Fertility Advantage on her Instagram and check us out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. We're everywhere you are, and we're just here to serve and be helpful. So thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Bye.